0: Lock Talk Radio. And all the world is football shake. It's just a major kicking bait. And I can see
1: him fell from the And I've got one, two, three, four, five. Sitting for me all the time. And it's time to take this door. Hello, welcome to the Global Scars. Brought to you by uh of course I screw that up the first time and do it. Uh Global Scars is broadcasting. Uh you're the one that has got the talent on this. Anyway, <laughs> you I you want to
0: this?
1: Is, <laughs> Global Scars is sponsoring the Yellow Carded Podcast. I want everybody to go to global dot com because they permanently now have a low p- permanent price on um AO scars. So if you're a part of one of the American Outlaws sections, go there. You will find your scars and trust me, I've got two A.O. Buffalo scars right now among the many I have sitting around. So this is a new and exciting era for the Yellow Card Podcast as I'm doing the show from a dying phone. So this is gonna be this is gonna be either Really deadly, or I'm going to get annoyed because the problem is I don't know if you have this with your phone, but um, it has a little mine has a little chime on it every time the phone goes down to like zero, so I'm hearing bells in my ears. I mean, it's better than hearing voices in my head. So
0: we'll
1: we'll take no, this. We we'll, we'll have
0: that problem.
1: <laughs> so that's it. that's at least it. Um, coming up first, we have San Francisco FC. Call him Jacques, who is the world's greatest name I've ever heard, and coming from a guy who was supposed to be named Four, instead of Steven. It's fun. Welcome to the show, Jacques. All right. you got that? That's cool. Hello, welcome to the show. That's
0: uh,
1: all right. this is Matt Hoffman. How's it going? Oh, dang it, man. I should have known it was your number. We have Jacques. We have Paul. We have Jacques. Sorry. I was just. (laughs) Man, I wrote your number down. I I was going to write your number. I wrote your number down last week. So I'm like, okay, if she pops on, I will remember it. And then you come on and I don't remember it. Ah, I'm, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry um, Well I thought uh, that it was, has to be a disappointing uh, Weekend for a lot of uh, Premier clubs um, I, I do want to say that uh, for the Newcastle fans Out there um, That uh, Kroll did stop uh, He did not get any penalty kick score on him So his record there Is still impeccable um, But yes definitely Manchester United um, Not exactly
2: uh, Not exactly a great loss Um not not something that I really want to remember. Uh, like Burnley, that was a fantastic game.
1: Which is good. We're going to have Brian Hoffman, the only uh, Newcastle fan I know. Uh, it looks like Jocks is on right now. Hey guys. Hi, Jocks. How are you? Good. I we appro- I approached you what maybe two weeks ago about um, San Francisco FC.
3: Yeah, I think about that. Yeah.
1: Now um, you're on with Keith Kochenda from um, I was going to say Cleveland again, but um, Columbus, Ohio, and Matt Hoffman, our Chivas expert, and, well, well, soccer league's Chivas expert. So, yeah. welcome you, welcome you to the show. Um, you guys are starting up, starting up a new um, club in San Francisco. Can you kind of tell us about it and where it? where the beginning of this has come from.
3: Yeah, definitely. So the club itself has actually been around for a little while. Um, it was founded in 2001 and, and kind of just played in the, the local San Francisco leagues, which are actually pretty competitive and have kind of a three- or four-tier uh, uh, competition, league competition every year. And over the years, the uh, the club made it up to the premier level. Uh, which is the highest level promoted all the way up, and, and I've been playing on the team for about the last four or five seasons. And uh, so, you know, the, some of the guys on the team were getting a little bit older, and uh, but uh, you know, still interested in looking to, to do soccer stuff. And we had t- you know kind of played with the idea of, of doing a higher level team at, at this you know the NPSL level. And, um, and that was in my mind for a while. And then I, I ended up meeting with some guys from supporters association here, the San Francisco Football Supporters Association, and, uh, and the, the leadership of American Outlaw San Francisco here. And, and we just kind of started talking about this idea of, uh, you know, expanding to this, this kind of semi-pro professional level um, with, with our kind of three groups taking the lead. And, uh, and, and doing it with a supporter ownership model and, uh, and really trying to make a go of it, of, of having a successful you know, first season at the, at the semi-pro level and then, and then hopefully moving on to the higher, higher level, be that NASL and the last something, something down the line that's that, uh, at the top level of competition for U.S. soccer. So that's, that's how it got going. That, that we really started getting organized uh, late last year, early this year, and have been doing a lot of work. And actually, just today, just now, um, our our uh, our membership website just went live at uh, Um And so we're we're super happy about that, and, and really excited about about the future. Well, I'll
0: tell you Matt one often. thing: you've already oh, go ahead. Okay, oh, sorry about that. You go All on, right. Keith, and then Matt afterwards. Yeah, so what- well, I can I can tell you one thing. You guys got going you're over your neighbors down the coast. You definitely have a much better crest. That's, a, <laughs> Thank that's you. a really sharp. That's a really sharp crest you got there. I'll give you that much. And I'll tell you, it's you know, may, you know it's good to see that you're coming up. You know, from a level that you're doing, they're doing to having your know, local, just a local league and uh, developing it from there. It's uh, a little bit, uh, in a way, it's kind of similar to. Another MPSL team who people we've had on here the upward stars who play in the uh, uh, in, out of Spartanburg South Carolina there uh, came out of the uh, upward sports uh, national uh, Christian youth sports program and uh, eventually decided to start an MPSL team and uh, for those of you who think first year teams haven't sold up they actually won their division and got to the second round of the MPSL playoffs so uh, it can be done and especially if, if it sounds like you've got a really good base to work with, especially as far not just as far as your management is concerned, but also player talent. Yeah, we do.
3: I mean, we, we've we've
0: got a lot of ex-college guys,
3: uh, guys that played at a pretty, pretty high level on our our current uh, premier team, um, and you know, there's just a lot of guys in the area as well. San Francisco's got a a lot of uh, a lot of players, guys that are still in college or just out of college or. Even guys that never played in college are just really good. The the local leagues are, are pretty stacked. It's pretty incredible, and and so yeah, we feel we feel real strong in that that area, um, and having kind of the support base of the guys that have played for the team and, and are playing for the team now, and then the alumni over the last basically 15 years that the team's been in existence. Um, it's pretty cool. I, that's my 14 month year old daughter screaming in the
0: background. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But um yeah and, and and you know on the organizational that side it hits we, me where we, I live. What's <laughs> that? On the on the organizational side um we feel pretty good. You know, we we we've, we've brought on guys from uh from a lot of different from areas, a couple other guys that that actually play for the team but you know also work day jobs in the city. A, a lot of guys doing tech and and website development stuff and then um, working very
2: closely with with the AO guys
3: and then the Supporters Association guys uh, have been great. So Mike Gonos and Stephen Kenyon, who kind of lead that group, have, have just been awesome. And, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. and We've been out in the community as much as possible. We've kind of been reaching out to the you know the existing uh, kind of English Premier League supporter groups and, and asking them to to have some involvement. And the, the response has been, has been really positive with them and um, and then there's, there's some other really cool organizations. We just had an event here last weekend that we were out volunteering and help, helping uh, set up. Uh, it's called Street Soccer USA, and they have their, their National Homeless Cup here. And that, that organization does uh, uh, a lot of homeless and at- at-risk youth outreach. Um, and, and they basically bring people that are homeless or formerly homeless and put them onto these the soccer teams. And this last weekend was their their big national cup here and, and we were really happy to be a part of that and, and that's something really cool that's going on here as well. So um,
0: what is
1: it though? I mean I, I was reading on your website. Sorry I gotta do this from a speakerphone. My my cell phone has decided to be blonde and not take the charge all day. Um that's all right. what what has been the um what has been the response? I mean San Francisco is a very good sports sportsman. It's 49ers, Stanford, and a lot of fun there. What is, what is this? Oh, my God, get this? a map out, dude. Palo Alto. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> I'm, well, I have family there, Hoffman. So I, what has what is, what is been the response among the soccer community to you guys being in the
3: MPSL? Uh, I, we've, it's been really positive so far. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we all kind of come from different backgrounds from, you know, playing or or supporting and, and, uh, you know, as best you can tell, people are really excited. I think people, like you said, really like the crest. They like the idea of, uh, supporter ownership and having a stake in the club and having, you know, real, real decision-making authority, uh, on what happens with the club. um, you know, I think I think people here have have somewhat of a high standard when it, especially in the city, when it comes to what they spend their time on because there there is a lot to do here. So we kind of keep that in mind and really want to really want to put something out that's that's you know high level as high level as we can get um, and, and and you know so deliver that product to people. But it's you know it's been good. Um, it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of soccer being played and watched here. You know, we were out with uh, with the American Outlaws at their their home bar for all the World Cup stuff, and and it was you know crazy and packed. And there was there was a big event down at the Civic Center in front of City Hall here, and people were out. So everybody seems really really interested, and we've gotten a, a pretty good following going on Facebook and Twitter. And um, so yeah, I mean, I guess the real gauge is going to be how many people sign up to be members, which is, is basically open today. Um, so our, our initial goal is to, to shoot for 500 members uh, by the end of the year. And uh, we, we feel pretty confident we can get there, but you know, we'll see. It's, it's going to take a lot of work.
1: Yeah. You um, can I ask a questions here Go before uh, I, I got, I got the wind guest here. It's got this quick moment of calm. So I'm just going to slip in here. Um, so I'm, I'm just. I'm really sorry. I'm not really familiar with with uh, MPSL. So, can you kind of talk to me about um, just right now? The whole gist of American soccer seems to be based on forming rivalries. So, what what where where are you guys like um like with the earthquakes and Sacramento Republic? You know you're you know you're kind of close to both those markets. And is there any sort of like you know rivalry between them? And then secondly, um, what what can a person like uh, myself who isn't in the San Francisco area do to help support your club? So I just sounds – Something I'd like to see happen
3: yeah, I mean I think that second question is easy to answer well the membership drive is going to be open to to anyone worldwide so you can go to our website and you can you can subscribe to be a member you'll get a, you'll be able to vote for the first club scarf. you'll get you'll get your scarf. you'll get a vote on all the club the important club matters and electing the the uh, the board of directors and um, and you know we we really want it to be a very very uh, kind of symbiotic relationship between the club and the supporters, and that's that's what the supporter ownership uh, model is about. So, um, you know, rivalry wise, there's actually another MPSL team in in the city, the Stompers. So we they they make for a pretty natural rival. And uh, and then you know the the Republic and the Earthquakes that it seems I like kind guys. of shooting for the stars a little bit because they've just been I mean it, they've been around for a while, or the Earthquakes have and the Republic have just come out of the gates flying with, with their, their first season. But, you know, we, we love that. And we think there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for that with the people that are established. And then, you know, the, even clubs that are, that are not yet established. It's, I think you see this all over the country where there's, you know, there's, there are, there are really, really hot soccer areas just everywhere. And uh, the barrier is certainly, Certainly lives up to that. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities. I mean, the MPSL the conference that we're we're applying to is is basically all in the Bay Area. Um, the Sonoma team is about 40 miles north of, of San Francisco. Uh, the team the Aguiluchos is based out of Oakland, just across the bridge. There's a San Jose team, and then there's a Sacramento team, which is about 90 miles uh, northwest. So it's it's very very tight and regional, and there's there's a lot of opportunity, I think, to build those those types of rivalries and kind of hopefully everyone kind of moves up together. How
0: about El Cerrito? What's
3: one of them? I say that again, guys? It kind of got mixed up there. Oh, I was, I was wondering what the interest was with El Cerrito. El Cerrito, I, you know, I don't know too, too much about um, – I, I lived there yeah, a
1: few years ago, and um, we we called it the El Cerrito Hometown Advantage because all the soccer fields are so ravaged, and there'd be, like,
3: beer bottles and big divots <laughs> um, and stuff.
1: I mean, so, like, the teams were just had these sell our home records but just could not do it on the road. Yeah. It's kind of fitting for pretty much everything I know about El Cerrito.
3: Yeah. (laughs) My mother-in-law lives in El Cerrito, actually, but um, I don't know too much about their soccer team. It's a
1: majestic part of
0: America's Americana. um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sounds to me, Jacques, like the travel is going to be awfully easy in that division. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you know, there, there were five teams last season and we're we're hoping to join obviously next season. I I don't know if there are other applicants or not um, right now, but uh, it does seem to be an advantage that some other regions and conferences don't have is like, it is very, very tight. And, um, you know, the Bay area has about 7 million people, which is a lot of people. And then obviously Sacramento is a pretty large, large area as well. So, and you know, the kind of moving outside of that, there's there's probably even more in terms of the Central Coast area and maybe Reno or I don't know. So it's it is nice that it's there's a lot of it seems like opportunity in sort of close proximity to San Francisco.
0: A yeah. couple things you mentioned earlier, Jacques. Uh, you mentioned about how uh, you've got a lot of people who played in that that league that was kind of the basis who uh, work in the, the high tech industry, Silicon Valley, and all that sort of thing and you talked about the, the social media aspects of the club uh does, do you think that kind of gives you an advantage in that respect with social media being so important uh especially at the lower levels of soccer
3: I don't know i mean we you know we definitely have guys that are that are either directly related to the industry or you know or or have used it in in some capacity um I can't say whether it gives us really an advantage because to me if if the if the kind of the, the thing you're putting out there isn't strong then all the social media stuff in the world isn't going to really get you anywhere so you know I, I think we're trying to just you know focus on making it a really really great opportunity for for fans and supporters and um I think you know we we definitely have some people that, that know the lay of the land or, uh, a little bit in terms of I guess Facebook marketing and advertising and Twitter stuff, but really, I mean, we just try to to just kind of be honest and have a, an open kind of dialogue with people that want to know more about the club and and that are better interested and 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 kind of make that make that our approach. So, um, yeah, I, if there is like some silver bullet way of <laughs> of uh, being really successful with that stuff, I, I certainly haven't heard it, but uh, it, I don't know. You know, there's, there's some pretty amazing stuff that, that gets done out there with with that technology. So who knows?
1: Where did you guys come up with the badge? It looks like that 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 badge looks really cool. I mean, do you, did you have anybody in house that
3: designed it, or was that just a spur of the moment type of thing? You know, it's it's. Um, it, it dates back to the beginning of the club in 2001, actually, and uh, our, our club founder um, Jonathan Wright is his name. He he worked with a designer to to have it made way back then, and it's just kind of stood the test of time. <laughs> so it is. It's, it's neat. It's very it's, got,
0: it's a very classic badge. That's why one of the reasons why I like it.
3: Yeah, I I, I think it's it's it looks classic, but it also you know it. it it kind of has these iconic symbols of that, that people identify yeah. the city with a little bit. Right. And uh, um, yeah, I, I, and you know, it kind of fits with the colors of the city and, and everything. And, and I, I guess it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just looks good over time. And when we were talking about all like, this is great, we don't need to fix this, you know, and <laughs> we were really lucky in that respect. So, you know, I think yeah. maybe more people get involved, we might tinker a little bit or make a few updates here and there, but, but everyone that we've talked to and everyone involved just really feels great about it. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's neat for the that to be the first thing that people see, uh, whether it's our shirts or the, we have, you know, patches or, or even on the website and, uh, and the response has been great. What's your
0: hashtag? um,
3: I'm sorry. what's
1: What's your hashtag?
3: Hashtag. Well, we, we, uh, our Twitter handle is at SFCDFD, and then we, we have the city football hashtag, which uh, uh, we, we, I don't know, I guess we, we do a bunch of our Twitter posts, tag that, tag with that too. Well,
1: where, where could someone that's not in San Francisco get your, like, badges and your, like, T-shirts that you're talking about? Because that, that's a really cool badge.
3: Yeah, so we're we're actually this week gonna uh, be in process of getting all our web stores set up, and there there'll be T-shirts and uh, knitted badges that people can purchase. Um, People can email me at uh, Jacques, my first name J A C Q E S at sfcityfc.com, and we're trying to work with people that are that are interested. You know, we've had a few people reach out via Facebook and, and email and stuff, and. And if people are really interested now, we'll totally work with you to, to get get it out uh, before the store gets set up. But that's now that we've got the website up and running, that that's our next big push is we're going to get some, some merchandise out there. And then the scarves, um, you know, we just we just had a scarf design submission. Uh, we asked for scarf design submissions, and, and people sent in about fourteen. They sent in fourteen submissions and you can see those those are posted up on our facebook uh account and i linked them off our twitter so uh once people start to to purchase memberships we're going to ask them to to vote for the the scarf design that they like and then after a certain point in probably about a month or two we're gonna we're gonna take the votes and we're gonna print the one that got the most votes so that will be up for sale as well um on the on the uh the web store
1: How how was the How was the uh, World Cup viewing parties in San
3: Francisco? They were incredible. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm. This is probably the fourth or fifth World Cup that I've paid pretty close attention to now, and and I couldn't believe the response. All the bars in town were just packed, and not just for the U.S. games. I mean, the U.S. games were were obviously very, very uh, well attended, but You know, I was going to the American Outlaws bar at 7 in the morning, uh, I think for the Germany game, and and I drove past two or three bars along the way that had a line outside, you know, already that they weren't even the AO bars. They were just people. They were just good sports bars that people wanted to to check out. So, I mean, I think that comes a lot from there's a really strong pub supporter culture in the city. Um, There's several different places around town that have – that have kind of opened themselves up to, to different supporter groups, whether they're EPL or um, the, the Outlaws, and, and then some of the, the MLS supporter groups even have have kind of made home home bars at, at some of the places around town. So it's it's cool, and they've and, you know the the bar owners have have worked really well and really closely with with the supporter group uh, leadership and. And you know so and then besides that, there was a huge, huge scene at the out in front of city hall, city hall, um, civic center. There's a big outdoor courtyard there, and they had the screens set up. And again, even if in the, the, the U.S. games were were the best attended, but I, I was out for like the Algeria South Korea game, and there were a couple hundred people there, and, and you know going crazy. Algerian fans are going crazy after they scored, so it was cool. I mean, I, you know, San Francisco I think is a fairly International multicultural play so it's it's nice to see that reflected when when the World Cup comes around so it was it was great it was it was amazing
1: anything cool. you tell us about this culture? just like are there any like funny stories or like chants or or anything about about the about your your team or the, or the rivals
3: um you know i i' i'm not the best person to talk about that i i i'm i'm not super engaged in the um kind of the any of the the main groups that that are around here um we did just have the the, the street soccer cup i mentioned we did uh we did, there were several of the supporter groups put in teams and kind of a rival rivalry and the thegruders the arsenal team here is or the the arsenal supporter group here is uh, the Bay Area Gooners and they're really well organized. They get like 200 people to their bar for for the big games, and they put in a pretty stacked team. And they were going out and they played the, the Hotspur, for Tottenham Hotspurs team, and and uh, I think the, the Gooners team ended up beating them pretty bad. But they were they were pretty uh, pre set up, and um, I, you know, th- there's a lot of like English expats here that are you know they're they're uh, from the, the cities and, and towns where, where a lot of the teams are from over there. And so you get a little bit of that. But then, you know, there's also the big teams that, that just have such a broad appeal and, and people are super, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, super into it. And, um, you know, I think it's all generally pretty friendly. Um, uh, people, you know, especially when it comes to kind of the the different clubs and, and then people going out for like, the American outlaw stuff, or the rooting for the U.S. It was it was cool to see kind of everybody come together for that. So it's a it's a it's a cool scene. It's, it's really neat to see.
0: Well, one thing's for sure, it's the Jacques. It sounds like I'm probably not good enough to play in that league, let alone uh, the MPSL. Despite despite <laughs> what Stephen tried to tweet last week to the contrary.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what? At least the George Polanga of the MPSL. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'd uh, you'd be hard pressed. Uh, well, first of all, there, there's uh, the MPSL teams here in Ohio and in Cleveland, Cincinnati, and uh, uh, well, I know for a fact Cleveland's coach wouldn't touch me because he knows me too well. He knows I can't play. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll tell you. I mean, the the MPSL level and you know the PDL level, and you know even going down to to our local SFSFL level, it, there are some incredibly talented players out there and uh you know i i i get frustrated when i hear people talk about oh we don't have the talent to win the world cup and and say things like that and i i completely disagree i think that there are so many amazing players all over the country that are from the u.s i mean there's there's obviously guys that kind of their way here from other countries but guys from the u.s that for whatever reason have kind of fallen through the cracks or you know Whatever their paths have been, and you you kind of see that I think in the in these MPSL teams and the PDL teams and, and even these local leagues because there are just some amazing players out there and, and it's uh it's pretty cool to, to, to have that access to those those types of talented people at, at, at a, you know a level that's not so far far reaching or far removed as, as in MLS or even you know the, the teams and leagues that you see on TV.
0: Yeah, because you had talked about that before. You know, cause When people think of soccer in California, it's automatically Los Angeles, San Diego. That's where the focus uh, generally is. But you know, as you said, you've got town out there. You've got three major universities out there, Cal, Stanford, and USF, uh, all pretty close together there. Uh, and as you said, a pretty uh, cosmopolitan city, so there's no reason why uh, Northern California shouldn't be able to put together uh, talent that's uh, just as equal as the Southern counterparts. And that's going to be important for you guys getting this league going because that's going to be in addition to the pool that you already have from the, the league you've been running for the last 15 years.
2: Yeah,
3: I I, I agree with you. And there's, you know, apart from the, the schools they mentioned, there's there's San Francisco State in the city. Uh, there's And then there's City College of San Francisco and Skyline College, uh, which is just outside the city, which both run soccer programs. And then there's several really really uh, solid D2 uh, programs in Marin County, which is just north of the city. So it's it's pretty you know it's hot. And like you said, I mean L.A. and San Diego probably you know rightfully so do have the reputation of being the the, the huge talent centers and the huge talent generators. But there's a lot of really really good players up here too, and. and you know, people that were born and raised and grew up around in this area as well. So, I mean, really, all of California, all, all throughout the from from here down to the uh, all the way down to San Diego. It's it's pretty incredible that, to see the number of people that play and, and the, the types of players that, that come out of here. So, all
1: right. Josh, thanks for being on the show, where can we get a hold of you if we want to talk? If we want to get more involved with Fiscal FC.
3: Yeah, so San Francisco so City FC, um, you can email me at jacques at, at sfcityfd.com. Um, we also have our Facebook up and running, which we're, we're monitoring constantly and responding, and then we're very active on Twitter. So, you know, anyone who you want to get a hold of us, we're, we're, we'd love to, to hear from people and talk to people. And, uh, sorry, <laughs> Oh, and uh, yeah, I mean it's you know it's, uh, it's it's a big effort and it's going to be a lot of work, but we're we're really interested to hear from people all across the country, not just right here in the Bay Area. So please reach out if if, if you like.
0: All
1: right, thanks, Jax. That was Jax from San Francisco FC, and I see another three one nine number. I know, I know, Matt's on the line. Who, who's the other person from LA on? Ryan, dude. What's up, Ryan? What's
2: up? I, w- I wish I was in LA sometimes. A little bit yeah. different in Iowa, but, but hey. Yeah.
1: Wait, how the hell do you two have the same freaking one? You're one's in Iowa and one, one's in LA.
2: Because I used to live in Iowa City. Ah, that and would I do give it. My cell phone number. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that. That would do it. Exc- yeah.
1: That explains a lot. Now, someone explain to me what, how TJ's and Keith's look Well, you only get three numbers for your area code and, uh, it can't be zero, zero, zero. Um, so, there's only, uh, what, so many combinations you can have. And then you got to have 911. You can have 911 as an area code. Um, there's probably some other numbers out there you can't have as an area code either. 666, six, six, that just seems bad. Um, it's going to cause a lot of problems. But, uh, but why don't we talk about soccer? Um, how for, how um, you know so? Uh, how did you feel about Newcastle performance against uh, Manchester City? Um, as I've mentioned earlier, cruel did not allow any penalty kick goals. So does it, where, as a starting point, how do you feel about the the, the way the game went?
2: Um, actually, not too bad. It, it's one of those things that's kind of weird. Uh, anyone that watched the game probably, at least from what I saw on Twitter and. You know, not just Newcastle fans pretty much said we at least deserved a draw, if not a win. It's You know, soccer is sometimes weird like that where, you know, you deserve to get more, essentially, than you do. But um, uh, we didn't play bad at all. I mean, the only thing lacking, I would say, was stuff in the final third, especially in front of goal. I mean, you know, we had a lot of promising counters, a lot of promising balls in the box, and we really didn't – I mean, we didn't have a shot on goal. So, obviously, you look at that like, wow, you, how could you guys be happy? But it's just a matter of, you know, the whole, how last year ended, especially after Christmas, where we really fell down the table, um, at least compared to where we were. And, I mean, there was no good news. Everyone has been party out. out. Um, his tactics were not good. And it seemed like he always had excuses. He had the headbutt incident. So, this is one of those things there wasn't a lot to be excited about. We were playing hoofball, where it was just really boring brand of soccer. And then, you know, we go on a spending spree and, may not be done yet and we bring in all these players and you know we have exciting players again riviere and cabela and uh we have you know it wasn't a cmd Ong was hurt so um you know we didn't even have him in the squad uh the the perez kid that came in aaron's kid later uh later in the match um they're really young and pretty promising so i mean overall we looked good and you know there are so many new players as a team gels they'll they'll uh um uh, I think we're going to be just fine. I mean, if we play like we did this coming week against Villa, we're. Yeah, I don't see why we shouldn't win by multiple goals. So,
1: what do you what do you think about this whole thing with Jermaine Jones and Chicago? Is find a way to screw screw over another MLS team and like move them off to like Los Angeles City FC or? Are you guys going to get him?
2: Yeah, and it sounds like it's between us and the revolution, and, you know, MLS rules always change. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, negative sentiment now because it seems like we offered him more than anyone else did. He still turned us down, which part of me, even though, you know, I love the fire, it's like right now we're awful, Uh, our owner's awful, and we're in a really bad spot that I don't see getting better. I think we're farther away from a trophy than any time I can remember, at least, and So part of me is like, it's a pretty tough sell right now. I mean, Chicago, the city is great. Obviously, we should be able to compete with the, you know, the big clubs, your Seattles, your L.A.s, your New Yorks, and our owner talks a big game but can't back it up. Um, He's proven that now. So part of me is saying it's a tough sell right now, but it sounds like it's between us and New England, but with MLS ever-changing rules, apparently he won't be subject to the allocation order. So I think it's going to come down to who offers more and, you know, where he wants to play more. And like I said, with him kind of already turning us down, there's been a lot of negative sentiment already saying, well, you know, if he's going to be like that, we don't want him. And right now we have more pressing needs. I mean, it'd be nice to finally get the big name that our owner has promised we'd get the last few years and haven't. But, you know, at the same time, if it's going to be a waste of money like a lot of our other, you know, big supposedly signings that were a bust, then, you know, maybe it's not the best idea but fire fans are going to be really, really mad when you know if he if somehow the Revolution, who aren't well liked by by Chicago fans, you know if they get them over us. I mean, it's the pitchforks are already out, and I see a huge, full raging bonfire if that happens.
1: Wait, you you had me at pitchforks in New England. I keep going yeah. with this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's not a, there's there's not any love lost between the two clubs. So yeah, if that happens, I mean it's going to be even worse. It's it's one of those things, fire fans. I mean, we're kind of like we're already down getting kicked with the result losing to an awful Montreal team, getting completely just blown out against Seattle. So, I mean, yeah, anything that can be used against the owner, and rightfully so, is. And, I mean, just more and more build up. And, I mean, people, I know a lot of people that aren't renewing season tickets, that aren't buying any merchandise, and it's just awful. I, you know, unfortunately, you can't fire the owner, though. Well yeah, Mike funny, McGee returning it's
1: from it's his day off. What's that? Well Mike McGee returning anytime soon from his day off.
2: Uh, I hope and you know, and that's another thing, you know, he came in last year, obviously you're successful so people are gonna like you more, but uh, there's a lot of anti McGee sentiment right now and you know, I don't think it's just at necessarily the lack of scoring kind of coming back down to earth. I mean, I don't I never really thought he could realistically keep up with, you know, uh repeat year after year what he did last year I mean it was great to see but it's just a lot of uh, sentiment right now where you know rather than playing he'll be yelling at the ref throwing his arms out not even paying attention if someone runs by him not playing defense so it's more just how he's acting on the field in the work ethic I think than the actual results and I'd like to see him get going but right now we don't have a true number of 10. I mean, we don't really have anyone setting him or anyone else up, so I can't really see him getting in a groove without someone pulling the strings.
0: Yeah, it's funny you talk about Chicago and New England having this, uh, you know, this, like you said, pitchforks going in each other. When both sets of fans really have at least one common bond, and neither one's terribly happy with the club's ownership on a lot of levels.
2: hmm well, and certainly, you know, being a New England fan, that you know, that would be really, really tough, too, just, you know, with Robert Kraft and the Patriots there and kind of all of the attention being turned to them. But, I mean, look at Chicago. I mean, you have the Blackhawks, you have the Cubs, White Sox, Bulls, Bears. Uh, I mean, you have so many major outlets. And the thing is, so much more could be done with the fire. Yes, the location of, of Toyota Park's not good, but so much more could be done. And you know, we keep hearing from the owner. We're going to own the soccer conversation in Chicago. They're not owning it. You know, it's the Red Stars right now uh, are more, much more relevant in the soccer conversation. There's a great, um, yeah, it's a great city with a rich soccer history, and they're doing nothing to capitalize that. And you know, having the owner half the half the country away doesn't help. And I mean, there's just uh, right now. I mean, everyone wants them out, and again, rightfully so. But yeah, just like Newcastle, you can't just tell the guy to sell up and he's treating it like his toy. Like I said, he's, you know, we'll spend keen like money. Well, that was three or four years ago when I wrote for the site originally, and they still haven't done it. So it's, it's one of those things, again, he's talking a big game and he's not backing it up. And, um, you know, we're further away again from a trophy. I mean, I can't see us winning an open cup soon. We can't even make the playoffs. So MLS cups out. I mean, We've won a couple of preseason cups, the Desert Diamond Cup. I mean, if you want to toss that on the trophy shelf, great, but you know, most fans aren't going to be happy with that either.
0: Right, and you talk, you mentioned it about, about the owners and how it's hard to get rid of. It. This is a point that Mitch Alvin of the Detroit Free Press, brought up a couple of years ago on uh, ESPN the Sports Reporters. We talked about the uh, deceased owner of the Lions, William played Ford. He says there is a way to fire the owner. The problem is, it involves fans doing what they don't want to do, and that's no longer supporting the team. And mm-hmm. you mentioned, uh, Ryan, about how yeah, people are not I don't buying think that works for
1: MLS. Stuff. though. MLS is a yeah, kind so, of alternate reality. That's mm.
0: true. True. It, it's it's a part, but you. But our reason I bring it up this is because Ryan, you talk about how people are not buying merchandise anymore, and yeah, that's one. That is the way to get at these people. But at the same time, it, it's it, it just goes against everything that a supporter really stands for. And it's mm-hmm. uh, and, and album. And Album's point is, you know, the dichotomy of it is so difficult. Yes, if you don't like the owner, you'd love to see him go, go. You know, we had that problem in Cleveland with the Browns. We have it with the Indians right now. We don't like the owner, but the problem is, you are know, not supporting the team and by not going to the games and not buying merchandise is so difficult because, it's, as I said, it just goes against everything being a fan and a supporter stands for it, it's 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 a tough situation. You don't like to see anybody get into
1: it. I'd say Robert Kraft gets more money in tax deductions than he actually puts into the revolution every year. Mm. If there's a forensic account out there, um, knows we'll be for right.
0: sure. Yeah.
1: No, it 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 it's it's absurd. I, I will say that I've been to both stadiums and my experience at Toyota Park was much, much better than my experience at Gillette. It was absurd.
2: Um Patently absurd. Uh 1999, I went to Arrowhead Stadium for a, uh, a Wizards game, and I think there might have been 500 people there. And here I went in 2011, yes, to a Revs game and relived that same exact uh, sort of uh,
1: sort of experience. Um, it was ab- patently absurd. Uh Yeah, the um I don't. I think Jermaine. I think the problem with our American talent right now uh, is that they just have really shitty agents.
2: They know all no, jump in at once, guys. Oh, sorry, sorry I, I didn't catch you. And they all have really what?
1: Sorry, sorry. I think the common find of our um, our American uh, our American players abroad is that they just have really shitty agents.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's part of it in, in selling them. I mean, you look at a guy, and part of its age, too. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, from what some of the, you know, EPL managers have said recently, and granted, it might be because, I think uh, Brandon Rogers said something, who did, you know, it might be because they're two are in the States, but saying, you know, they're looking at MLS for So, obviously, the young guy's going, like, I think Sean Johnson's probably going to be gone sooner rather than later. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin, um, you know, something – Like, that's not too bad, but it's the people coming into MLS, the big names. You know, we're still getting that label of Retirement League, which, you know, right right now I I couldn't argue. You know, you're not having these guys, you know, that that are tearing it up in Europe when they're mid to late 20s or even early 30s, you know, coming over here. I I think at some point we'll get there, but um, you're right. I mean, part of it is right now for the league to grow, we almost have to lose some of our young guys. They need to go in these high-profile teams in leagues, you know, around the world, do well to get people to, you know, pay attention to MLS, even if they don't watch it, you know, to get the recognition, hey, this is a quality league. It it is good. You know, it can roll with the handful of top leagues in the world or at least be just below that. Then you'll start having players wanting to come over. The other part's money. I mean, who's going to come over and they can make three or four times more elsewhere until they're older and, you know, they're out of options. So I know there's a lot of talk that the salary cap's going to go up maybe significantly, and, um, you know, that's going to increase parity even more when you have your cheap owners like the fire that aren't spending, and then you have your owners with money that can spend even more, um, you know. So it's going to help and hurt some teams, but it's it's the blueprint I see happening in the, the next few years at least
0: yeah and the key, that the key to all that for the uh, the young American players is is just that the word play because I, I said this before a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it bear. if I'm a, a DeAndre Yedlin or somebody of that ilk and I get this big European offer before I forget the age you talking about the agents, forget the agents before I even say word one to my agent about this first question I'm asking in this club is am I going to get a legitimate chance to play regular first-team football? If the answer is anything but an unequivocal yes, I'm not listening. Because there is nothing gained for these young American players to go over and either play in the reserves or you know get in the first team maybe and get selected. Look at Landon Donovan's example. He never really got a legitimate chance to play first-team football uh, for the most part while he was over in Europe. And... Uh, it showed. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 as, you, as you said, Ryan, it's a tough situation. It is kind of an irony that these young American players do have to go abroad to help bring some more attention to MLS to make people realize it is a quality league. But, again, they've got to the play to do it. And that yep. is, that's the key to it all. They have to be playing on a regular basis in the first team. And that that's where the difference lies. If they're going over there and not playing in the first team, only people who are going to know are the real hardcore aficionados and the people within the club. The general public, for the most part, especially here in America, is just not going to know this, and it's certainly not going to help their development as players. It's been, I, honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but I'd rather see a young kid play regularly in MLS like Graham Zusi is going to do rather than go to a big European club and sit on the bench during the first two games or play with the reserves occasionally. And I know that sounds like a nutty statement to make, but it's the playing that makes the difference at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing, I've had a lot of fun. This is a telecardic podcast brought to you by Global
1: Scarves. So go to globalscarves.com and go for all your scarving things this week. We all know cyber culture loves
2: their fashion.
1: Now that now that we have this connection with global scarves, I want everybody to go on and order something. You're part of an AO group, and I don't know Ryan if you're part of AO Des Moines or wherever. How close you are to whatever AO department? They have a per they have a permanent and low price for any AO scarf. So, like you, like mm-hmm. me, who's lived a lot of different places. Go on and get A.O. Lawrence, A.O. Kansas City like I can. And, and, well, I could get every small town in upstate New York. Ah, the joys of having a father that li- that lived in corporate in the 80s. Ugh. You know, sometimes, Keith, I, I, I'm jealous of you and your son that you didn't have to go through the, the 80s of um, living in Rochester, New York. No offense to Rochester, New York, but... <laughs> hey,
0: I had to, I went through it in, yeah well I went through it in Cleveland and it had its, it had its good points and its bad points but the the eight the eighties in general had its good points and bad points it was a yeah it, it was definitely a, a strange decade and I uh, yeah I uh, admittedly got some of that if you see some pictures of me uh, from when I was in the Ohio Youth Choir admittedly 1981 kind of an extension of the 70s but you can see some of the evidence of the 80s already. Uh, Rearing their ugly heads, including uh, my wild and crazy hair back in those days. So, I, so wouldn't blame, I wouldn't blame where I wouldn't blame where you were living necessarily on what was going on in the 1980s and what you went through in the 1980s. So will so the uh, uh, so will the mustache or goatee ever come back? No, no, too much gray in it. <laughs> when I tried the last time I tried the last time I tried it. Uh, it was already, I was I was getting, there were a few signs of gray on top already, Well, I did the goatee and the mustache, it started showing up big, so i like, forget it, can't do this. You know, I, I read, I'm better off with the uh, with the choir boy face, yes, pun intended, being countered by the gray hair, getting that right blend of youth and experience. I don't want to lean too heavily on the uh, old cart just yet, because keep in mind, Monday nights, I still play soccer against people half my age. So I guess I need any edge I can get. <laughs> well, why, why
1: I bring that up, Keith, is my father, who is, um is seventy on Friday. I asked the same question to because he shaved his off on his fortieth birthday. He got sick of it, and apparently, I hated it so much. I went, I, I ran screaming from the house because I had never seen my father without fur on his face. So I asked him about three years ago. <laughs> Are you ever going to do yes. it? Because my dad, my dad doesn't have the, my dad doesn't have the problem of having half gray, half half dark hair. He's been gray. He's been gray for ten years at this point, and I, he's
0: like, he's like I saw the pepper thing going. So uh, yes. it's still more brown than gray, but gray is gray is going to win out sooner or later. Um, oh, I just I no, anyway, no. the first Yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, anyway, as, as long as we don't alleviate it to the yellow card podcast brought to you by hair or gray hair, um that was a lot of fun having um the, the guys from the substitute pot on. Hopefully the show will come back within the next month or so. Um Yeah, I thought I it
0: was
1: line down the show. Not to give you at least ten minutes to talk
2: about Man United's Swansea.
0: Well, yeah, it was. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, it's definitely not a not a not a good result. Obviously, certainly not a promising start to the season. Uh, the second half they showed a lot more than they did in the first half. I know I can't remember who was doing the commentary, but he said, yeah, there was a lot more bite to Manchester in the second half, and there certainly was, but. Uh, it's it's a work in progress, uh, and Van Gaal said, and it's something if you study the records it bears it out. His teams don't always start out that well at the beginning of the season, and so this is if this is going to be something uh, that'll have to progress. Obviously, he's got a couple of weeks in the transfer window here. He'll have January as well, and certainly you'll see uh, things done then as well. I would imagine uh, it's you know a case of. You know, finding the right players. Once he knows what he has, what he needs, uh, what he thinks he needs, uh, was, we're going to see. We already saw uh, another big, uh, a really fairly major signing uh, just yesterday with uh, oh the Argentine international, apparently coming on board for uh, in defense, which is definitely going to be helpful. There was definitely a need for a little more. There's going to be a need for a little more backline depth uh, with this new system, although. Uh, you might say they played better when they, in the second half when they went to a four-man backline, more of a 4-2-3-1 uh, than they did with the 3-5-2 they started out with. Uh, the one thing that, uh, you know, Van Gaal is still the big, the big asset in all this to the club no matter who, what players he brings in. And I know there's been some criticism of the fact that he hasn't made too many big-name signs, but he's got to sign a lot of younger players uh, some would suggest he overpaid for a player like Luke Shaw, who unfortunately uh, is going to be out for the first month of the season due to a hamstring injury. And he's received criticism on that front as well because it's a little there's a little bit of that Jurgen Klinsmann overtraining uh, syndrome going on there uh, with the muscle pulls and things like that. But Van Gaal's ability and willingness to change tactics and make changes necessary are what's going to be the big difference. And uh, because changing tactics isn't just necessarily changing formation, it also means changing players. Uh, I think, uh, and this was brought up during the game too, we're looking at, and now I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to compare him to Sir Alex, there is no comparison here, but there's going to be a little bit of that edge factor.